This is the Ed Milet Show. Hey there, welcome back to the Ed Milet Show. This is Pete Vargas, and you are in for a treat today with Ed Milet. You're going to get the chance to hear him at Max Out Live deliver the opening talk that he gave called The Power of One More. I got the chance to hear this talk two months ago at a friend's event, and Ed delivered it. And what I can tell you is every single person in the room was not just engaged, they were moved and they were transformed. And I reached out to Ed shortly after that event and I said, Ed, that's the most powerful talk that I've heard in 20 years and I've seen thousands of speakers. Ed said, thank you so much. I said, Ed, what can I do for you? Ed said, Pete, will you come and MC my Max Out Live event? I said, under one condition, that talk is the way that we kickstart Max Out Live. Ed said, no problem. So I'm going to drop you into the event. You are going to get to hear the same talk that I heard a few months ago, and you get the chance to be able to experience what I experienced. And so as we go to Max Out Live and you hear this opening talk, enjoy it. I think you're going to be blessed today. And I will see you on the back end of the talk. I want you guys to make so much freaking noise as I bring to the stage my good friend, Mr. Ed Milek. My heart's just overflowing. Thank you so much to all of you that are here for supporting me. This place is packed. I've never felt energy in my life like we have in this room right now. And uh, so thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, for the 50,000 plus, probably end up being about 100,000 plus worldwide, by the way. We got people all over the world online. We love you. You're part of our family. And stay with us all day, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Let's give them a round of applause. Um, so thrilled. And this guy that's hosting the day, how about this lineup of speakers? You ever seen anything like this in your life? Yeah. So if you haven't got a book yet, just get a book so you can spend the rest of the day with us, please. Just go over to Max Out Upgrade, get a book. But this guy that's hosting the day, Vargas here, Pete, this is not your normal MC. This is a very, very wealthy man, most connected guy in personal development and business in the world. His brain is bigger than mine and about 11 more of me combined for all this stuff works. So you're going to get nuggets all day long from Pete that you cannot believe in addition to the speakers. So I am fired up. I've never been more excited in my life. So let's start out the day, though. The premise of the book, and really the event is not about the book. Isn't that ironic? Okay, and it's not about me, and it's not about these speakers. This event's about you, and your beautiful families, and your life, and your soul, the success you're gonna have, the difference you're gonna make in your life. That's why I wrote the book. And I wrote the book, as most of you know, but when my father passed away, who was my hero, and you're gonna hear a lot about that today, especially right now. And so this day's about you. And the premise of the book is, I believe human beings can change. And the reason I believe human beings can change is because I watched my hero do it. 
My dad was an alcoholic and used drugs first 15 years of my life. Didn't live the perfect life. And then I watched somebody make one decision, give it one more try, and completely change his life and live the most magnificent life of any man that I've ever known. And so I know human beings can change because I watch this stuff happen up close. And the theory in my book is really simple. You were born to do something great with your life. My dad, until he got sober, did not know he was born to do something great. He walked around with a lot of shame. He felt invisible. He didn't think he was qualified to help people. Just like thousands of people watching this and the millions who will ultimately watch the replay of it, they think they're disqualified because of a mistake they've made or they've been average and ordinary all their life or something they're ashamed of or their weakness is something they're embarrassed by. They think I'm disqualified. That was my dad. And then my dad made one decision. And here's the truth. You were born to do something great with your life right? You were, if you're out there in New Guinea, who I just talked to online, you were born to do something great. And it's high time. The world started to speak this way to each other, that we loved each other, that we supported each other. And that human beings know they were born for a reason, which is to do something awesome in little ways and big ways with their life, right or wrong. And the theory is this, you're much closer to your dreams and your visions than you think you are. And it's because you think it's so far away or because you think you're disqualified or not ready for it that you perpetually act in accordance with that and you keep this dream, you keep these visions that far away because you believe it. And it's a lie. It's the adversary getting you to believe it's far away so you never get there. And the truth is your dream, your life, the things you want, you're one decision away. One relationship, one meeting, one event like this, one thought, one emotion from completely changing your life. I've watched my dad do it. I've watched me do it. I've watched a lot of my friends in this room do it. There's a bunch of people online that do it. And those decisions can do something great or something catastrophic. You're one decision away from messing up your life also and ruining other people's lives. And that's what I want to start out with today. This week's been hard for me because I wanted to promote this event because I know we can change the world. The same time, all of us are aware of what happened in Texas this week. And it's made me emotional all week. I've been torn. Do I continue? And I, I just know the world needs us right now. If you're online right now, share this, share this with people. Tell them, get online, hear this right now. The world needs some inspiration. It needs, some lo- it needs to know humanity's still good. It needs to know we can collectively do something awesome in our businesses, our families, our faith, in our communities, in our churches. And this clown, this 18-year-old in Texas this week made one decision that ruined, destroyed so many families' lives. Not just the lives of the children that had their lives taken and their parents, but imagine all these precious children that were so scared in that school. The law enforcement officer had to respond, the community, any child in the world, any parent in the world right now, we've been affected. He's hurt us. And I want to hurt, I want to, I want to fix it with one decision. And so I've decided, I hope you're with me on this. I'm going to take all of the proceeds of the book today and we're going to give it to the victims, the family's victims in Texas, right? And so any of you... Any of you that get a book or want to go get another one, you probably want to hand a few out. Every single dollar of that is going directly to the families, directly through an organization called victimsfirst.org. That money goes right to them. And also, I'm going to take all the money from the book and give it to them. The other thing we're going to do, and I hope you'll support this by getting extra books, going on Amazon, buy one more, buy five more. And also, I'm going to then match what we raise and double it myself. So I'll give that away. 
And my dear friend, Jamie Kern Lima, who many of you saw interview me on my show this week, she heard that I was doing this and she said, I'll match what you give. So now Jamie's matching what I give. So, so we're gonna do something pretty awesome for these families. We're just gonna prove there's a force for good in the world, which is all of us collectively. So the, the leader of that organization uh, at victimsfirst.org just wanted to make a video for you all so we can set the tone for the day. So guys, if you could play that video and then we'll get started. Hi, my name is Anita Bush. I'm the president of Victims First. We are a national network of families of the deceased, those who were shot or injured or survived a mass shooting over the past two decades from Columbine to Boulder. We are working behind the scenes right now, um, helping the victims and the community in Uvalde, Texas, um, where the mass shooting occurred at the Robb Elementary School. We just got word that one of the, um, the husband of one of the teachers who was murdered just had a massive heart attack and has died. They leave four children behind. These are some of the people that we are, that where your donation will go to, 100% every penny. Wanted to thank um, Ed. So grateful, all of our families are so grateful. This is very personal for us. And we understand that you're going to match funds and for, for Uvalde, we just can't uh, thank you enough. This is very personal. Um, I've had two mass shootings in my family. One where Michaela was murdered and the other one where Stacy survived. So we know what these families are going through. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone uh, participating in this. Thank you very much. And rest assured, we will make sure 100% gets directly to the victims. Thank you. It's awesome. So, so I am, uh, God bless her, she's on the ground in Texas right now with the families. I am uh, uh, infamous, notorious in the personal development space for never being willing to ask anybody to buy something. Everybody in this space will tell you I've never asked anybody to buy anything. I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm actually completely comfortable asking you to do it now today. So I'd ask you, go get an extra book. If you're online, you want to join the rest of the event, just go to Amazon, buy one book, you'll get the rest of the event if you're here. We want to do something great. And we're one decision, you're one action away from changing people's lives. So I would ask you to actually do it now because I had no intention of doing it before the event, but now I'm fine with doing it. We're going to rise up for these families. Everybody with me on that? Say yes. All right, cool. So let's get into things. Listen, uh, the book that I wrote, The Power of One More, is a very heavy book. A lot of tactics, a lot of strategies, like very, very heavy. And if you get the book, you'll pick them all up. But I wanted to start out by just sharing with you why I believe One More is so important in your life. Because here's the deal. In life, we always heard these theories that, hey, if you start to keep the promises you make to yourself... You're going to build self-confidence. We've all heard that before. If you lack self-confidence, it's because you don't keep the promises you make to yourself. We've all heard that, right? And that's really true. And I'm, I thought I was the first person to say it. I'm not sure if I was first or third, but I said it a long time ago. Now everybody says that stuff. And that is how you build self-confidence. But I needed to learn the things in this book because I was so shy, so insecure, had such low self-esteem as a little boy that I had to learn these things just to become a baseline functioning person. But then when I started to get good at them, I went, wait a minute, what if I took this to another level? What if I understood more about the RAS in my brain and time management and leadership and equanimity and how you change your identity and how you build confidence and how to really set goals? How do you really develop a habit? All of these things are in the book. 
But I figured something out. If I was in life, you don't always get your goals. If you set really good goals, even the way I teach you to do it in the book, which is the best, you might get 25% of them. But long term, you always get your standards. You will always ultimately get your standards. So I thought to myself, what would the standard need to be that I could become superhuman in my performance? One more. Just the difference between winning and losing in life and everything and being a great mother and not, a great father and not, a great leader and not, wealthy and not, a big business and not, making a difference and not is so small, it's almost too scary to talk about. And that small thing all my life, I've been trying to figure out what's the thing? What's the separator? And as I've coached the top athletes, entertainers, business people in the world, and as I've become one, I know what it is. They do exactly what everybody else does and one more. When they make 10 contacts a day in their business, they make the 10, they make one more. They tell their daughter they love them every single day, they tell her one more time. They read one book a month, they read one more. They do 30 minutes on the treadmill, nope. They do 30 plus one more. They do 10 reps on the bench press, nope. 10 reps, one more. When you set that standard, your entire life begins to shift and change. And in the book, I show you the 19 one mores you need. And it all started when I was a little boy. See, I say often that on the other side of temporary pain, if you can survive the temporary, Napoleon Hill says, on the other side of temporary pain, if you survive it, you meet your other self. So many of us in our lives, even right now, we make permanent decisions based on temporary conditions. When you hold your father's hand as he's passing away, something dawns on you that the only thing permanent in life is your soul. Even our bodies aren't permanent. Everything you're going through, every hardship, every difficulty, every trial, every tragedy is temporary. And if you can survive it on the other side of that, you meet your other self. I'm up here today, not because I'm extraordinary, but because I've survived so many temporary difficulties that I've met my other self. Then I met my other self. Then I met my other self. That's called growth. And it started, believe it or not, when I was five. See, I only have two skills. I've made hundreds of millions of dollars in business, and I've been blessed that for some reason millions of people listen to me. And if you really knew me, you'd know how ridiculous that actually is. And had you known me when I was a young man, you'd really believe it. And the two skills I have really, if I'm being honest with you, I don't have a high IQ. I don't. In my own family, I'm fourth out of four. There's only four people in our house. I keep making them retest about once a year. It's the same result for 18 years now. You're fourth, Dad. And you're fourth by a mile. And it's just the truth. But I am good at two things. I truly love people and I'm present with them. And if you're with me, I listen. I'm good at reading people and being present. And then I got this other thing, I can talk pretty good. Let me tell you what they come from. Massive temporary pain. My dad was an alcoholic and I had three little sisters and an amazing mom that held my family together. And I would have to know at five years old as a little boy, when that man came through the front door, which dad was coming through the front door? Was it sober dad? He had a good day, he hadn't been drinking, we're gonna go have dinner, probably go shoot some hoops in the backyard. By the time I was five years old, I knew which dad it was. Or when I'm five 
and I'm looking up at my hero. Is it drunk, Dad? Has he been drinking? And I could notice little things. I started to be present. I was reading him. Was his tie a little messed up? How about his hair? How about how he walked? How'd his face look? Was it a little red? How'd he talk? Did he kind of talk a little slower? Did he slur? In fact, I got so good at it that I could tell by the sound his key made in the lock whether he was sober or not. If it went right in real smooth, pretty good chance we're gonna have a good night. If it didn't, he's coming in. And if it's drunk, Dad, maybe my sister should go upstairs. And then the second thing would kick in. I'd start to talk. Hey, Daddy, and I'd walk with him. Daddy, I got a 93 on my spelling test. I had a home run at practice today in baseball. How was your day? What went good today? And I would try to talk and communicate to change his state. Turns out, 35 years later, 45 years later, I've made hundreds of millions of dollars by being present with people, reading them, and be able to communicate in a way that they feel something and it changes. This was born out of temporary pain, temporary tragedy. Because if he was drunk, my dad would walk over and I'd try to get him away from this cabinet. Because there was this cabinet, and this cabinet was all his booze. And if, he, if I couldn't get him away from that cabinet, I know right now he's going to open that thing up. There's all the stuff he likes, but his favorite was Beef Eater's Gin. And I'd get out there, I said, Dad, and I tried, and he wouldn't, he'd pour his drink, boom, and he'd drink about six or eight of them right when he'd get home. Now I know we really need to change things. And that's what I live with, but it built all the skills I have. And many of you would say to me, wow, what a neglected childhood you had. I had a loving family, but certainly that was neglect. There's all kinds of child neglect. I'm going to hit you between the eyes right now. Those of you that are parents. There's neglect if there's drug or alcohol. There's some form of neglect when there's a divorce, I suppose. Maybe we don't tell our children we love them enough. There is a global insidious epidemic pandemic of child neglect going on. And it's subtle. And it's a parent who is not pursuing their potential and their dreams. And they're neglecting their child when they do it. If you're listening to this, I know that hits home, but they're, most things children get are caught, not taught. They catch it. And if they start to catch it, it's okay to settle. It's okay to say, sweetheart, you can be anything you want. At some point, they get to an age where they go, well, mama, why aren't you? Why aren't you going for it? Why aren't you happier? My book is called The Ultimate Guide to Happiness and Success. Why isn't mama happier? They see you in the car. They see you getting ready in the morning. They know. And it's neglectful of you if you're not pursuing your happiness, pursuing your potential, pursuing your dream. You're neglecting that child. you got to get after it. So that was the first time I learned this. And then my life changed. I'm driving in the car one day with my dad. I'm almost turning 15. I'd never seen my dad cry before, ever. And I didn't see him cry after this day. But we're driving to a baseball game, and as my dad's driving, he's crying, which is really weird because my dad was a dude. Like, I've seen my dad in scraps, side of the freeway, banging on a guy, angel game, banging on a guy. Seen him come out of church one Sunday, drop a guy. You think I'm kidding? Come out of St. Dennis Catholic Church on a Sunday. Just prayed. Just took communion. We get in this Datsun B210 hatchback, and we had stayed in the donut line. I saw him talking to some guy in the donut line. I'm like, all right, that didn't look good, but it's church. My dad loops around the church. It's raining. It's misty out. My sister's here so she can confirm this story. And I watched my dad roll the window down on his Datsun and look out and wave the guy over. The guy's like, and the guy walks over from inside my dad's vehicle in front of the church. He grabs the guy and goes, boom, 
headbutts this man. Guy falls to the ground and we just drive off like, Hail Mary, our father. That was my dad. So to see this same man crying, driving me, that man never showed up again after this day. A gentle man showed up. This talk is very hard for me. A kind man, a much more powerful man. Real men are kind. Real men are gentle. They're so strong they don't have to show you. And we're driving, and he's crying, and he pulls over, and he's still not looking at me. I'm looking at my daddy, and he goes, Eddie, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to listen to this word. I'm going to try to quit drinking one more time. And he looks at me and goes, I'm going to give it one more try. A chapter in my book called One More Try. And I go, Dad, what would be any different this time? You tried a bunch of times. He goes, I'm going to lose you and your sisters. Your mom's taking my family from me. And you and your sisters deserve a dad you can be proud of. Your mom's amazing. She deserves a husband she can respect. So I'm going to give it one more try. I want you to get the lesson here. My dad made the most dramatic change of his life from a place of love. All great decisions, all long-lasting change comes from love. Loving for someone else, doing so. You'll do anything for the people you love and your dreams. You always go, I don't know, I'm not motivated, I don't have any, I don't know my passion. Look real close. People you love and your dreams. My dad did it because he loved our family. It wasn't some big dream to be sober. He loved his family. And he went away. And when he came back, he was not drinking. I said, Daddy, are you never going to drink again? Listen to what he said to me. He said, I don't know. I know I'm not going to drink for one more day, Eddie, at a time. And that went 35 more years. Do you know how many times in business and in relationships I've wanted to quit? And I think I've got to make something permanent. Everyone says, never quit. Hey, man, that's a long decision. You know what I've done a bunch of times? I'm just not quitting for today. Just one more day, I'm not quitting. One more day, I'm not quitting. And that started the change of my life. And I've learned, go ahead, you can applaud for my dad. And I tell you all this, I tell you all this because these lessons in the book, I show you how to reprogram your RAS. I show you how to manage your time and bend to manipulate time. It's very detailed. But if you don't know why you're getting the book, why you're doing it, it's pointless. Here's the most amazing thing. I wrote the book. I'm done with it. It's published. Thousands of copies have been bought already. I've done a bunch of interviews for the book. And I woke up three weeks ago in the middle of the night, me crying. And something dawned on me, and if you get anything out of today, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Remember, most people, even in this room, online, think, yeah, that's good, but this, that, that's not me. You don't know my track record, man. I've already tried like 14 things that didn't work, or I've never really been that motivated, or you don't know this thing I'm ashamed of. I've got this divorce. I've got this bankruptcy. I got some stuff if you really knew, man, you'd know. You don't know how I think. You don't know how average I've been. I'm disqualified. Most human beings think their humanity and their life experience is what disqualifies them. The very opposite is true. If you're going to reach other people, I reach millions of people because I'm not perfect. Because I come from a family like this. Listen to this. I wake up. I go, my gosh. This never dawned on me. The decision that changed my life to put me here, everybody, is my dad stopped 
drinking for his family. I probably am not here had I not watched those examples and caught it. Except it just occurred to me after I wrote the book, but I want to tell you this. I went, I'm crying. 3.15 in the morning. Someone helped daddy. Someone helped my dad. I don't know who this precious person is. Some precious human being, when my dad was losing his family on his knees, darkest moments, like maybe considering taking his own life, some human being came forward and said, I'll help you. Is it not, not amazing that this person has no idea that that one decision changed Max and Bella's life and my future grandchildren's life and millions of people's lives? The ripple effect of that one decision, just like the bad decision in Texas, the ripple, this ripple's ridden waves of millions of people, even today, because this person had the guts to step up and go, I may not be. See, here's the deal. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. This person, this person rose up. In this moment, but that's not the most mind-blowing thing. What qualified them? The thing they were the most ashamed of. They were a drug addict. They were an alcoholic. Little did they know the temporary pain they put themselves and other people through. On the other side of it, they would meet their other self and then have my dad meet his other self. This person literally know when they were driving and drinking and lying to their family or stealing money to get drugs, God was using that experience they thought disqualified them to prep them for the most important moment in my father's life and in mine. Don't discount your experience. Don't discount your mistakes. These are the things that connect you with people. When you rise up, can I get an amen on that? Say yes. That's what qualifies you. You connect human to human. Perfect people don't help or imperfect people. Imperfect sinners help imperfect sinners in life. You can reach out and help somebody, but you gotta have the courage to take the step. You're not disqualified, you're not invisible, but you gotta have the guts to make the decision. You gotta get clear on what you want. You gotta get this part of your brain that I teach in the book called the reticular activating system working for you. The RAS is in your prefrontal cortex. It's the filter that reveals everything you believe to be true about you in your life. It proves you to be true. It also keeps you sane. So that's why you don't feel the blood in your right ear right now. You're not conscious. You go crazy if you were aware of anything. So it's, it's, I call it the matrix. I call it the matrix. It slows things down for you. Tom Brady's matrix when he's pre-snap calls the right audible, finds the open receiver. The filter finds the open one. The rookie quarterback who struggles, they call back, they find the covered one. That's the difference between the exact same setup, two different filters. Same with success. I'll prove it to you. I just bought a Tesla. I kind of like what Musk is doing. I have no idea what he's really doing, but I kind of dig what the guy's up to, right? He probably needs to come on my show so I can actually get it out of him, right? So, but, but I bought this Tesla. I didn't really want one. I'm not going to lie to you. But I buy this Tesla. It's there the next day. Driving everyone crazy. I'm driving. I'm like, hey, red Tesla, white Tesla, three lanes over, other side of the road. Hey, black Tesla going that way. My wife's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I go, babe, here's the crazy thing. Those Teslas were always there and I never saw them. Now they're important to me. I see them everywhere. The key thing in life is this decision, those emotions, those thoughts, those meetings you need to have to change your life that you're one more from have to become your Teslas. And I'll show you how to do it in the book. Just like one guy finds the covered receiver and misses the sale, the other woman sees the open receiver and gets the sale. Here's the conversation for the qualified person. Here's the person in the room or sees the person in the room who's their soulmate instead of missing them. 
These things change our life. So in the book, I go very deep on these things, and I want you to find them. So I'll give you about another one more. This is the part of the talk I'm only doing to serve you because it breaks my heart to give it. My best friend is my dad. I remember vividly one time walking on the beach with my now wife. We were in high school, and we'd walk on this beach. I'd go, hey, I'm going to get us one of these beach houses someday. I'm going to get us one of these houses. And she'd go, you are? And I'm like, apps, 100% falutely, yes. And I'd go home. i go, Dad, how do you get these beach houses? Who are these flipping people? And my old man would go, Eddie, I have no idea. I've literally never met someone who lives on the end of the earth, the ocean. I don't know who they are. They probably inherited it all. I really believe that. And this other little thing in my family was like, and if they're that rich, they probably screwed some people over. And as I became more financially successful, I know that that's not true. But here's what I figured out. When you see a family that's super happy or super successful or both, and they're different things, at one point back in their lineage, they weren't. They weren't. And then Neo, you know, I like the Matrix example. You know what Neo's called in the Matrix? The one. And in every family, there's a Neo. There's a the one that eventually shows up in a family and changes the whole family forever. They rise up and they change it all. The Milets don't get treated like they used to anymore. The world doesn't have their thumb on the Milet family anymore. We think bigger. We think positive. We're givers now. My nieces, my nephews, my children don't think anything like I did as a kid because I'm the damn one. And in your family, you could be the one. And the very fact that you think you're not the one means you probably are. Means you probably are. And you got to get up and start fighting. Get it because I wished for it or dreamed for it. I fought for what? I fought for it. And I do the things in my book that I teach you to be the one. And your family tree will never be the same again when you rise up and become the one. And it's not too late. And if you think you already did it, there's a bunch of levels past this one. How do I know that? Because I watched a guy fight for one more. My dad, this, let me show the pictures, guys, if you don't mind. This is the part that's hard for me. I want you to think about your family, not mine. Can you all see the pictures up here? You guys go to my pictures? There we go. That's me and my great picture of me, by the way, squad. Thank you for selecting that one. <laughs> right. Very, very professional. Give you an idea of my IQ level when you look at that picture. <laughs> look at the photo. Look at my face there. That just screams low IQ, <laughs> low IQ, but he still loved me. We love this little dummy. Look at him. That's me and my dad. That's my best friend. That's my dude. My dad died knowing every single secret I have and everything about me. Talked every day. When I give a speech like this sometimes and it's good, I still walk off the stage and I go, I'm going to call. I can't call him. Anytime something great happens, dad, we're number one on Amazon. I can't tell him. This is me and my dad at someone's wedding. <laughs> I was actually a decent looking man at one point in my life. And uh, my dad was a real good looking dude once he cleaned up and got sober. That's me and my dad. This is uh, the three Ed Milets. I'm actually Edward Michael Joseph Milet the third. And I'm proud of it. That middle dude there is my papa. Papa's a stud. Papa didn't finish fourth grade. But he stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. Yeah. Dude. Stormed the beaches of Normandy, man. Dude on the left's my dad. 
packing on the pounds back in those days, now that I look at it. Right after that picture was taken, Papa passed away. It's the last picture I ever took with him. And something occurred to me. I'm now the Ed Milet on the other side of that picture. And Dad's now the Ed Milet in the center. And I remember thinking, I wonder how much more time I have with my dad in the center before I'm in the center. And I'm the last Ed Milet. There'd be only one more Ed Milet. And I didn't know it, but my dad and I were playing golf this day. My favorite thing to do in the world is to play golf with my dad. We're not good golfers. <laughs> I had five hours with my best friend in a golf cart. And we just talked, man. Deep stuff. Faith, religion, politics. And we disagreed on every single one of those topics. <laughs> and I loved him. It also shows you that you can literally love someone who you don't necessarily agree with on everything. That's something the world should actually look into right now. Right? And um, my dad, my dad uh, and I just talked deep. That day, he was breathing heavy. <gasps> my dad had my deep voice. But this day, I was like, hey, uh. I'm like, what is, hey. I go, dad, pick it up. There's people behind us. He goes, yeah, I need to get it. I don't know, man, my chest. I go, well, go get that crap looked at. Let's go. My dad was young, worked out every day, hadn't had a drink in 35 years, hadn't smoked in like 25 years. A week later, he had a 12-hour surgery to remove a tumor the size of a football from his chest. And they didn't get all of it. And he got diagnosed with something called liposarcoma. And when it happened, he goes, hey, because my dad's a dude, he goes, listen to me. I'm going to fight this one time. And that's it, because when I'm done fighting it, you guys aren't going to be feeling sorry for me for eight years. I'm not going to be a burden to my family. I'm not doing all that stuff. I'll do this chemo, radiation. I've got to do surgery once. That led to eight years, multiple surgeries, chemo, radiation, new chemo, proton therapy. And as he was going through this treatment, I'd say, Dad, why are you doing this? Why are you? He's in pain. He would only tell me the suffering. He never complained to anybody else. I'd say, Dad, why are you doing this? We'd go golf now. He's like, look. Uh, I'll play three holes. You play all 18 just to be with me. My dad's this kind of dude. I've owned five jets. All of my jets are parked within almost walking distance of my dad's house. And I've dad, my dad's never been on one of them. Never been on one of them. I said, dad, let's get in the jet, man. Let's get your dad, right? You got money now. You're like, let's go to Maui, play golf. I'm going to Hawaii. He goes, Eddie, why would I go all the way to Maui to play golf with my best friend? We could just play here in Chino. I don't, I don't care about the golf course. I care about the time with my son. And he would never, ever, ever go. And so the golf thing was a, a huge thing for him and I. And I said, Dad, why are you fighting like this? All the treatments. He goes, you know, man, maybe if I fight this a little longer, I'll get to go to one more wedding for my granddaughters. Maybe I'll go to one more graduation for my grandkids. Maybe I'll see my grandson play one more basketball game. And he tell me, he goes, you know, when you're threatened with never having any more one mores is when you understand the value of it, Eddie. They're precious. When you threaten with not having any more one mores, you know how powerful they are when you have them. And then the treatment started. I'm going to hold this together. That's me and my dad a few years into treatment. You can see it on him, can't you? You can see the poison in his body. Every time I would see my dad, I knew I was losing him. 
What's the good thing? In the old days when my dad was healthy, if I was in a meeting and the phone rang, call him back. Now, whoever I was with, hey, and I'm talking about I've been with some important people. Hey, it's my dad. Hang on a minute. What's up, dad? I want you to notice what my dad's wearing in the pictures here. That's his golf shirt and his glasses. See that shirt? You can see. You can see it, right? You can see it on him. Never complained. Going through all that, so he go for one more day with his grandkids. One more talk with me. Still got that golf shirt on. This is my dad in the hospital. He went in multiple times. I want you to notice something about my dad. He's not wearing a hospital garment, is he? <laughs> got his golf shirt and slacks on. My dad was a proud man. My dad would get up every morning in the hospital, struggling to breathe. <gasps> sometimes 20 breaths, sometimes three a minute, sometimes 45. <gasps> he would get up every morning, shave, clean up, put his golf outfit on. Get back into bed. It's a proud man. And he'd tell me. I'd call him. I'd go, how's the day going? He goes, I shot 72 today. We played a great golf course. Remember that one we played? He goes, yeah, I shot 72. Went through every shot with you. Had my conversation with you. I go, how did I play? He goes, you played like crap. You shot 88. <laughs> Still had a sense of humor, except it was, you played like crap. This day I called him. I said, Dad. Everything going good? Michelle said, I need to call you. Something's going on. My sister had called me. I said, what's going on? He goes, hey, come get me. Come get me. I said, what? Come get me. I said, Dad, I can't come get you. Things are going to turn around. We're going to get you another steroid shot, man. Things are going to turn around. He goes, listen to me. I have one. More day. I said, what? I have one more day. I want to go home. I want to be with your mom in my home. With you and your sisters. Please, come get me. Um, I said, I'll call your doctor. I called the doctor. I said, hey, dad's talking crazy. He goes, Eddie, I'll never forget how he said it. He goes, they know. I said, who's they? He said, someone is going to die. Sorry. This is six hours later. That's my dad being wheeled into his home. One last time, I flashed all the way back to that front door as a little boy, watching this man walk through. Now I watch him come through the door the last time. A totally different man, lived magnificently, completely changed his life. That's my mom watching her husband of 50 plus years come into their home one more time. 
you think about a lot of stuff when uh, you face with that situation. But my dad, I know, was really, really proud of the difference he had made in his life. This is me holding my dad's hand. He's got about one more hour right there. If you have parents that are alive, someday they're going to have one more day. Someday they're going to have one more hour. Someday they're going to take one last breath. So will you. So will you. My dad woke up. His eyes real big. He looks at me and goes, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe God gave you to me as my only son. I love you. And he went. And we lost him. I share this with you because you need to begin with the end in mind of your life. Who do you want to be in those moments? What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to help? What emotions do you want to have had? What's going to matter to you? What are the memories going to be? What's your legacy going to be? My dad's not on Instagram. My dad's not worth millions of dollars, but he lived a rich life. And so can you. If your parents have passed away or are gone or someone you love, honor them with who you become. I'm honoring him right now. I'm honoring him with this book. I'm honoring him with who I'm trying to become in my life. Let me ask you a question. When these one mores are gone and you got one left and I say, you can, now you get it. Well, that one more rep matters, doesn't it? That one more call matters, doesn't it? That one more thing. Well, they're huge when you don't have any more of them. They're huge. What if I said to you, if you have children like these precious parents in Texas, when they left that day, you have one more moment with them. You get one more talk with that precious child of yours. Now, how would you approach those times you see your children? We see them all, hey, babe, hey, let me get off the phone. I'll be, stop that. What if it was one more time you get to, this person you're in love with that you're married to, your girlfriend, well, I said you get one more chance to hold their hand, one more dance with them. What have you started to approach when you saw them now? How they have one more? How much more precious and beautiful and magnified is the moment? What if you approach your meeting that way the next bit? What if this is my last meeting? This is my last post? The last person I'm going to meet here at this event? The last person online I'm texting with? The magnitude, the life changes when you understand the power of one more. You understand them. And I want this event to change your life. I want you to start to say, my gosh, I'll get all these tools. Yeah, I'll help all these families in Texas. Yeah, but I started by telling your life matters. Someday you'll be my dad. Someday I'll be my dad. And when I picked up my dad's stuff, my dad was a quiet man. I had no idea. My dad worked hard. He provided good for his family. And my mom said, will you go upstairs and pick up your dad's stuff for him, for me? I don't want to go up. And I went up in my dad's bathroom and I saw the stuff he prays with in his book. And then all over his counter were these index cards with names and dates on them. And some of them are people's birthdays and some of them are their really important birthday, which is their sobriety birthday. These are all people my dad paid forward like the person helped him. So remember that guy that helped my dad or that woman? My dad did that for thousands of people and I didn't know it. 
This is just August. Just one of the cards for August. These are the July people. In fact, when I'd go around town, most people would see my dad go, is Ed my light your son? Is Ed my light your son? But every once in a while when I'd drive around, people go, is Ed my light your dad? And I'd go, yeah, they go, I can't tell you, but he called me on my birthday. What my dad would do is write down their sobriety birthday and call each of these hundreds of them, thousands of them. Hey, happy birthday. Do it one more day. Do it one more day. In fact, my dad never celebrated his actual birthday again after that day in the car. My dad celebrated only his sobriety birthday. Only my dad, by the way, would get sober on 420. (laughs) That's my dad's sobriety birthday. Only that clown, only that dude. And we did it. My dad didn't want a funeral service, so we didn't do one. But then all of his friends in his program did. And my dad had this weird thing. My dad worked in like the Beverly Hills fancy area, but we kind of lived in like average middle America, sometimes hood. So at my dad's life celebration, all kinds of people stood up. And something that I've heard thousands of times, I heard differently this time. Because person after person got up and said, Ed Milet changed my life. Except it wasn't me, it was him. The first one got up, he was a very well-known actor. Hey, listen, I was at a meeting and this quiet man walked across and extended his hand and said, I'm Ed Milet. I'm here to help you. And that led to 30 years of coffee shop talks, late night text messages, phone calls, always telling me one more day, one more decision. Next person gets up, woman, Ed Milet changed my life 24 years ago. I was in Pomona at a meeting and he walked up and said, I'm Ed, if I could ever help you. And he helped me get sober. And that led to him picking me up at a bar when I was about to drink and coming over at midnight and pulling me out of somewhere. 6 a.m. text messages, 5.30 a.m. breakfast. Next guy gets up, big, huge Samoan dude. I was incarcerated for 20 years. I never liked a white man or a white person in my life. I got out, I had to go to a mandatory meeting. This man in a red sweater walked up to me, looked like Mr. Rogers. This is the same dude who beat a guy up at church 30 years ago and said, I'm Ed Milet. And, he had, and this guy says, he had the kindest eyes, these blue eyes. He was a man's man, but he was so gentle and kind. He said, hey, if I can ever help you, I've been sober for 20 years now. I've had thousands of conversations with Ed Milet. In fact, before my dad died, he was on oxygen, struggling to breathe, and his phone was ringing. And my, he's, Debbie, that's my mom's name, Debbie, who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? My mom goes, you can't take a phone call right now. She said, ah, it's Raul. Give me the phone. No one would know my dad did this. It's not getting posted on Instagram. But you get your standards in life. Give me the phone. Raul. 20 minutes on the phone with him. One more day, brother. One more day. You got this. Helping person after person just like he was helped. I believe you were born to do something great with your life. I think I said that in the beginning. And I think there's some big ways you're going to do it. And I think there's little ways that seem small that have ripple effects. My dad lived a great life. He was both happy and successful because he helped people. The day my dad got sober, he came back and got me a job that changed my life. He said, I was living at his house. I was unemployed. That's how my business career started. He goes, I got you a job. It's at this place. I said, what is it? He goes, you don't get to pick, dude. You're eating out of my fridge. Get your butt down there. And I go down there, and it's an orphanage, McKinley Home for Boys. I end up in Cottage 8. All my boys in that cottage were wards of the court. Their parents were either dead, incarcerated, or had actually molested my boys. Eight to ten-year-old boys. And when I walked in the first day, they all turned and looked at me. Who's the new guy? I had no qualifications to be there. I didn't have kids of my own. I'm not a psychologist. I had a big ego as a baseball player. And all of a sudden, that led to me getting them ready for school every day. 
taking them trick-or-treating, being there on Christmas Day with them, be there when their uncle stood them up for Thanksgiving. These boys became my sons, and I became their father figure at 22 years old. And I found something when I worked there that launched my business career that'll blow your mind. All these boys wanted, listen to me, was someone to love them, care about them. Here's a big one most people don't do for each other. Believe in them. You believe in somebody, you tell them their gifts, you are one on maybe three or four people in their entire existence, man. And you don't have to be perfect to believe in somebody. I believe in you. Love, care, believe. And then just show me how to do better, Eddie. When I've started all my businesses, no matter what they are, chips, chocolate, coaching, financial services, speed fit, fitness stuff, whatever it is. I know every person I deal with wants me to love them, care about them, believe in them, and just show them how to do something better with my product or my company. It's changed my life. And it'll change your life if you've got the courage to reach out and help one more person. Start to know you matter. You're, you're important. You don't know the invisible difference you're going to make. And let me tell you something. There's invisible progress in life. i got two things for you to finish. I have a chapter in the book about compound pounding. You listen to me on this, everybody around the world. You're making more progress and you're closer to your dream than you think. I think I said that in the beginning. I went to a party for a bunch of five-year-olds and they got this pinata and the first kid gets up and hits the pinata, whack, whack, whack. No candy comes out of the pinata. He kind of quits and goes away. They, it's kind of like an entrepreneur. They get the next kid, blindfold him, spin his little butt around. He's, you know, like that's how we all are in business. No idea. Then we direct him. He's hitting the pinata. No candy comes out. Third kid hits the heck out of it. What these kids didn't know is they were compound pounding. It didn't show, but they were breaking that pinata down invisibly. You all with me on that? Say yes. The last kid, the kid no one wanted to pick, the scrawny kid, the nerdy kid, the one no one was talking to, he gets the bat last. And he walks up with the weakest swing you've ever seen, hits it once. Boop! All the candy comes out. And everybody celebrates because everyone else was making the invisible progress. Was it the last hit that broke it open or the cumulative hits? Which was it? The cumulative hits. Most people in life quit before the candy comes out. They quit before the candy comes out of their business, their body, their relationships, not knowing they're much closer to the dream than they think they are, but the progress is invisible. You gotta keep hitting that pinata in your life. Keep taking swings, one more swing, one more swing, one more swing, knowing you're making invisible progress. Why? Here's why. My dad's in heaven. And let me tell you, I know he's in heaven. Because I'm going right behind him. And I, I have this philosophy. You've heard me say this before, somebody, but I want you to hear this differently today based on the one mores. Differently today. Because you're going to be faced where you're my dad someday. See, I think when you go to heaven, I want the Lord to go, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. But I know something. He's going to introduce me to the man he made me to be. He's going to introduce you to the woman you were capable of becoming. Remember when I said you're neglecting your kids? When you're not chasing your dreams and your potential? You're actually neglecting you. You're neglecting your spirit. You're neglecting your soul. You're neglecting the very reason you were born. Nothing makes me more proud than to see someone chasing their potential, chasing that happiness, chasing that bliss. I don't care if the candies come out yet. I care that you swing. See, I want to meet this dude I was born to be. And I'm going to say, man, I've been chasing you all my life. Every decision I made, I messed a lot of them up, but I get back on track. I'm trying to catch you. And I want him to go... You did it, man. You caught me. You had all the memories, all the moments, all the contribution, all the difference, all the stuff, man. You did it. You maxed out your life. To me, that's heaven. I did it. I could tell you that man's hand I was holding at the end there, he did it. 
And he didn't do it the first 35 years. He didn't do it at all. And then he started chasing that man. And he caught him. He helped so many people. Quiet, simple man who just loved people, who used his faults, his frailties, his mistakes, his sins, his weaknesses, his fears to help other people. Hell, you meet her, you meet him. Hey man, I don't, I don't recognize you. Total strangers. You didn't do it. You didn't have the moments. You didn't have the memories. You didn't help the people. You didn't feel it. You neglected your family. You neglected yourself. I don't want that for you. I want you to rise up and go to heaven someday. You all with me on that? All right, listen, if this first session helped you, stick around, get a book, come to the next one, order some more books. You get to spend the day with the great Pete Vargas. I will be up here throughout the day, but these people I got coming are so good, you should be sick of me by now. So hopefully I gave you something to hold on to. God bless you. Max out. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hey there. Welcome back to the Ed Milet Show. So glad that you got to hear that opening talk from Ed. And it was profound. The atmosphere in that room was magical. Uh, the people in the room deeply impacted. And seeing the tens of thousands of comments coming in just and how moved they were. Hopefully you can see why I would say that was the greatest keynote that I've seen in the last 20 years. And my hope and my prayer is that it made a profound impact on your life. You see, to hear Ed's story of his father and to see how his father began to shift and change and live every day by just one more action. The power of one more. And to now see Ed Milet, who's write, writing, writing this book that will make an impact on millions of people's lives. And now passing off the torch to you and to me and to every one of the listeners and how we can be a demonstration and live this out in our lives. It's, it's so inspiring and so motivating. And this book is going to change the world. And I hope today that there was a big impact made on you. The thing that really moved me was the day before Ed's live event, he should be thinking about all of the things that have to come with that event, and he was. But the thing that really moved me was the day before his live event, and lots on his mind, the thing that he's thinking is, Pete, how can we make sure that all of the proceeds go back to those victims and those family members from the Uvalde, Texas school shooting? I want to tell you what, when I got that message from him, I mean, he was already high in my mind and my heart, but that went to a different level because he is being a demonstration of the power of one more. What if I could, what if I could do this one thing that would make a difference in those families' lives? That's what he's thinking today before Max Out Live. And so you get the chance to participate today to help all of the proceeds between now and June 11th, 2022. Anything that anybody does at maxoutlive.com. The books that you purchase, the proceeds will go back to those victims and to their families through an incredible organization that's serving them on the ground. 
So I want to encourage you to go to maxoutlive.com and participate in that. You've got the chance to get one book. You got the chance to get four books. You got the chance to get 10 books. And you even have the chance to get 250 books and spend a day with Ed Milet at his home in Orange County because of getting 250 books, which we're calling the power of one day with Ed Milet, something he's not done. But the reason he's doing it is because of the impact that he can have by the amount of proceeds that can go back to these families. So I want to encourage you today to go to Max Out Live, get one. Get four, get 10, get 250. There's perks and bonuses and all these resources that we're giving away to have you make a decision to at least get one, but if not, get more than one. You see, you have a chance to impact your life with this book. You have the chance to give these books away and impact other people's lives of those that you love in your life. And between now and June 11th, you've got the chance to impact those families that were taken, something taken away from them that was so precious in such a terrible tragedy. You get the chance to make an impact in their lives as well. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're listening to this after June 11th and you don't have the book, pick the book up. Pick it up for you. Pick it up for somebody else because it will change your life and it will change their lives. This last week, and I had the chance to give away the books to dozens of my family members and friends, and you could see how grateful they were. But I can't wait for them to read the book and come back to me and say, Pete, that book changed my life. Ed Milet, congratulations on this book. It is gonna make a difference in this world And I'm glad your listeners and all of your community got to hear that powerful talk today. You guys have an incredible, blessed day. This is The Ed Milet Show.